Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. Uh, as I said, my name's Richard Rogers. I grew up in Freeport, but my wife and I are full-time missionaries in Matamoros, Mexico. Gail, would you please stand up? I was just thinking of something. God has blessed me so much with a wife that shares the same vision that I do. That's a miracle in itself right there. So I'm grateful to my wife. I was just telling her the other day, if if she wasn't here, I probably wouldn't be here either. (laughs) But uh, God is good. And uh, we uh, live outside of Matamoros, about 19 miles out of town in a little village uh, on a, a camp, a base camp that looks sort of like a church camp. It's got dormitories, a sanctuary, a kitchen, and big bodega. And uh, for 13 years, I was a part-time volunteer for Adventures in Missions, call it AIM. And we hosted American teams that would come down to our base. They'd usually stay for one week, and we'd take them out in the field, and we'd build little houses, and we did all kinds of ministry and all kinds of stuff. And uh, that lasted 13 years. That was a lot of fun working with all the youth that came down. Uh, we, I averaged maybe, I don't know, maybe three months out of a year that I was able to help them do that. But it was great. And then in 2010, Gail and I both quit work and we moved to the base camp and we became full-time missionaries uh, for AIM. I was the base director and, and everything was going really great until 2011. (laughs) In 2011, the violence in Metamorphs got so bad that uh, every team that was coming down canceled their project. So AIM had to shut down. But uh, that's where we've been for the last 13 years, doing missions pretty much just by ourselves. In Mexico, everybody calls my wife the cake lady. (laughs) They love her more than me because she bakes cakes all the time. Nobody down there, not hardly anybody, has an oven, so nobody bakes stuff, but uh, she does, and it's been good. Uh, I want to really thank Don and Judy for coming down, and Ken Joachim came down and helped us work on those houses, and I, I promise it was 100 and something degrees when we were doing that. Uh, but as you can see from the video, we have four main areas of ministry. Uh, we have what we call the widow's ministry. Uh, is for the widows, single mothers, and we also uh, work with the children's homes and the orphanage. Right now we have about 65 families and about half of them are widows and the other half are single mothers that uh, live out in the middle of nowhere in these boonies and these shacks. Uh, You wouldn't believe how they live. And so God's called us to go down there and help them the best we can. We put on Christmas parties, hamburger parties. Uh, Gail has gifts for all the kids at the orphanages, uh, all the kids of the single mothers. Last year, I think she had 125 gifts. Many people helped us do that. But uh, she knows the shoe sizes, the shirt sizes, and and the the pants sizes for all those kids. We do uh, a lot of maintenance on a lot of these little houses, just patch up holes. Patch up holes, you can see daylight everywhere in their ceilings. 
uh, we were also able to build two homes. That yellow home was for a lady and her uh, four kids. Uh, we just finished doing the insulation on it last week. <clears throat> but I wish we had more money. I'd love to build a house every month if we could. But uh, we also do evangelism and outreach. In the past, we did a whole lot more of really just door-to-door -door evangelism and larger group ministries. But lately, we've kind of changed that, and I'll explain a little bit. But uh, one thing I do want to do, there's a, a camp in Matamoros right on the river. About 700 to 1,000 people living in tents. And uh, these are the guys that are trying to cross legally. So I, I really respect them. And, and I'm trying to help those guys. Well, I have friends that are going there, and I'm going to... I want to go with them. But uh, we do, uh, used to do more of this hospital ministry. And uh, when you need an operation in Mexico, you might have to wait three or four weeks to get an operation. And those people, uh, a lot of them, camp out in the parking lot of the, uh, of the hospital. And we used to take them sack lunches all the time, but it's in a real bad part of town. So we haven't been doing that lately. But it's, it's heartbreaking situations. I promise you when you go out and you start meeting people uh, in, outside in these, these areas like this, you'll find unbelievable situations, heartbreaking situations. Most of it's related to poverty. It's a tremendous curse. It's painful. It's painful uh, physically. It's painful emotionally. And uh, I believe God wants us to do something uh, about that if we can. Last year, we started doing something totally different. Uh, there's a drug re rehab center down there called Rescuing Angels. And they have about 100 men and, and about 28 women. And they average about 20 people per month. New ones come in and about 20 other ones go out. They stay there six months. But what's unusual about Mexico is if you're uh, married or have kids that have a, a drinking problem or an alcohol problem, you can call rescuing angels and legally they will come and pick you up and lock you up in this place for six months. And it's, it's not like that. So you, you got to be careful. If you make your wife mad, she can have you hauled off. <laughs> and they do it. Uh, the one right across the street from one of our friends he was drinking and causing problems, he, and Fernando was in that place before I knew it. <laughs> uh, but uh, last February, we started uh, a, uh, a Teen Challenge program. Teen Challenge gave us all of their teaching materials, all of their PowerPoint presentations, and then taught me what to do and how to use it. So we hired a, uh, a man to go and teach because I'm doing a lot of stuff and not there. But he used to go every single day. But now he's only going on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And he, uh, we also just uh, got a brand new guy to lead pray and work, prayer and worship. So we do that. And then uh, Marco teaches the class. And uh, some of these guys are really tough. I mean, they're, they're tough. They come from really hardcore backgrounds. Their heart, some of them is, is hard as a rock. Uh, some of them have no hope. Uh, they're addicted to drugs. They're angry because somebody, 95% of the time, someone stuck them in that place. So when they first get there, they're usually real mad. But I've been there long enough now to see how the Spirit of God, and usually in three or four weeks, starts changing them, starts changing their heart and their attitude. 
And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works in their lives and, and how God, is, I think it's because they realize they need, need help. And so they start seeking help and they, they start listening. They start worshiping. Uh, they respond incredibly when you have an altar call. It's like 20 or 30 of them will come forward for prayer. Uh, we, we talked about repentance and, and salvation uh, last week. And almost 30 or 40 of them came up. And it wasn't just to repeat a prayer. They came up and they were willing to, to make a choice to change their life. They made a choice to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And they were sincere. And, and I was amazed at what God did in their lives. And, and you wouldn't expect that just looking at them because it's a different group. But God's blessing them. I, I believe God has a special place in his heart for those kind of ministries, for the, you know, the prison ministries and drug rehab ministries. But uh, those are the areas that we work in right now. Uh, kind of like to share kind of a testimony of what, how I got involved in ministry and what God did in my life and, and a few things he put on my heart. Uh, my brother uh, became a missionary when I was 46. I uh, went on my first missions trip when I was 47. And he kept inviting me to go, and I kept turning him down for almost a year. Finally, I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go. And uh, the first trip we went to was in Rio Bravo. And we went to, I don't know if you ever know where Rio Bravo is. It's a little bitty town. There's a railroad track. And I guess the cheapest land in the city was right there on the railroad track, because that's where the squatters were. And uh, there was a, a couple there that we built a house for. And their house only had three walls. It's all they had was three walls. And the wall that was missing faced the north. And they had a bed here and a bed here and a little kitchen table here and a, a fire, you know, going. And, and I asked them, I said, well, what do you do in the wintertime when it rains at night? How do you sleep? And he said, what we do is we get all the kids into one bed and we put all of our blankets on top of that bed. And then we put a great big piece of plastic and cover up the bed and that's how they sleep. And I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. And all the houses up and down that railroad track were just like that. Some of them were made out of plastic. Most of them were made out of pallet boards. <clears throat> and uh, there was just one lady that was pregnant and fixing to have the baby. And she had no transportation or nothing. And I mean, she was getting ready to have it. I thought, and I always wanted to deliver a baby. I don't know why. <laughs> I'd, I worked on a ranch for 11 years when I was young. And I delivered a lot of calves, so I thought I could deliver a baby. But anyway, someone, someone came and got her right at the last minute. <laughs> but uh, God let me experience things that I'd never seen before. And, and this, this family was so grateful for us doing it. They acted like we'd built them a mansion. But I was more grateful because God allowed me to experience something that I'd never seen before. I'd never seen anything like this before. I might have seen a little bit of it on TV, but when you see something like that on TV, you don't really grasp the full concept of what it means to, to live like that. And the first time, I mean, that was the first time I'd seen anything like that. And what's crazy is I had been a Christian. I was born again at 33, so now I'm 47. So for 14 years living as a Christian, I'd never really understood that. My life was really focused on the American dream. 
Uh, I taught kindergarten at our, our church, but still my life was focused on making money. And, and that's all I knew. But when I went on that trip, it was like the Lord showed me that uh, he had something different for me. And it's like I learned something on that trip that I'd never seen before. And I believe, I believe I've seen it with not just in my own life. God absolutely changed my heart, my motives, my desires, my priorities. He changed everything in just one trip, turned my life upside down. And, and I've been doing this now for 26 years. And we used to have teams like 75 to 100 come per week, coming down there. Uh, and I've seen so many kids absolutely change their life that started working for Adventures and Missions full time, just like I did because of that first missions trip. That's why I want to encourage every church that they need to send their kids on missions and the adults too, they need to go and do a missions trip. Uh, Mexico isn't a good spot right now for that. But anyway, I want to read this scripture that when I was on that trip, I remembered this scripture. It was Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 24. It said, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at, at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. He was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. And the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And then the rich man also died. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him and said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. And, and I was thinking about this scripture while I was on my first missions trip. And we need to realize that this isn't a parable. This is a true story. Jesus is telling a true story about a rich man that was consumed with self-indulgence, uh, self-centeredness, and a hardness of heart. And I'm thinking about this story on that trip. And what's really bad is while I was sitting there, the Lord showed me that I was just like the rich man. For 14 years, I was a Christian, but I was still living just like the rich man. He showed me that, that I had no compassion really for the lost, for the poor, very little empathy for anybody. And, and you know, the rich man, I'm sure was guilty of many other sins, but in the Bible, this is the only thing that the Lord showed him or the only thing that Jesus said. And I believe it's because this particular sin of watching people suffer and not doing a thing, I think that grieves his heart more than anything else. And the Lord convicted me of that. And so uh, uh, I was sitting there. I remember where I was sitting uh, on this concrete bench in Mexico at the gateway. And, and I, I remember right where I was sitting, praying, asking God to change my heart. Because here I am trying to work, trying to pray for these people, trying to minister to them without much love and concern. And I was going, God, I can't do this. I, I've got to, have, I got to have you do a miracle in my heart. And so I was really praying every night. I was praying that God would do something supernatural in me so that I could minister the next day. And everything rocked along fine until the very end of the project, the very last day. I drove back across the border into Texas and I'm driving and everything's fine. And the very first house that I saw, 
I looked at it and I went, oh my God, what a beautiful house. How beautiful that house is. And I go, God, how, how can this be? And then I saw another house and I just started crying. Every time I saw a new house, I'd go, oh God, what a house. What a beautiful house. How blessed we are. And I was thinking, God, how on earth can America live in such luxury? And why are these people over here living in such poverty? It just absolutely broke my heart. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. God put it in my heart. He said, and it's like a revelation of, of this, that I can't just do nothing anymore. I can't live for money anymore. I can't, I want God to change who I am on the inside. So I continued to pray and I continued to pray. And uh, it was, it was really a heartbreaker, but uh, God did a, a, an incredible thing in me. And I've seen so many people the same thing, and, and, and I found out something, that the God that created the whole universe has the power to create a new heart in you and give you a heart that can love people. And I thank the Lord all the time that he's given me a, a new life. I thank him that he changed me, that, that he changed my, the focus of my life. And, and, and now I promise you, now I feel like I have purpose. Now I feel like I have meaning. Now I feel like I'm doing something that's worth living. And, and before, uh, I was having fun and I was making money, but it was really meaningless. And, and it's like, like you can go through your whole life and not understand that unless you start praying and asking God, you know, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding about the reality of, of life and what it really means. And another thing happened on that trip. This is crazy. I went to college for four years and came back for another two and a half years. I didn't even know what I was going to major in. And when I graduated from college, I didn't even know what kind of job I wanted. But when I went on this missions trip, for the first time in my whole life, God showed me what I was created to do. He created me to be a missionary. And it's like a little light bulb went off in my brain. And I went, oh, so this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and I'm 47 years old. And now I look back at my life, how God had saved my life several times. How God had got me out of drinking. I was involved in drugs, actually, for 10 years of my life. And God saved me several times in that situation. And God did this and that. And I'm looking back and go, he did all this just to put me right here. And I said, I'm not going to waste that. I'm not going to waste what God's done. I, he literally saved my life several times. And so I want to do what God has for me. I want to help people. I want to serve God. And I found out that when, when you're doing what God's created you to do, it's different it's like I get up and I go to work every day in Mexico, just like a job, but it's like I have purpose, I have drive, I have energy, I have joy, and I know what I'm doing is helping people. Man, it, it makes you feel good that you're doing something that's helping people. That's really a, an incredible thing. So all this took place right there in 2010. So Gail and I quit work, moved to Mexico, and, and I became the base director at the, at the Gateway. Uh, that lasted one year. In 2011, the violence in Mexico got so bad that every single American group that had planned to come to Mexico canceled their project. And we didn't have any projects lined up anymore. So AIM had to shut down their base. 
you could hear machine guns going off all over the city. And at night where we lived, there'd be machine guns going on close to our home. And, and the base, we laid off the people. There's nobody there. We're out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere. We're all that. We're out there by ourselves. It was really spooky, you know, because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what we were going to do. AIM asked us to stay a few more weeks and sell their trucks and vans. So that's what we were doing. We decided we'd stay a few weeks. Uh, while we were doing that, uh, one day we needed to go get groceries. We crossed over the border, went to Walmart. And we were in Walmart, and I was going down the aisles just putting food in my basket. This guy came up to me, and he said, Sir, uh, I don't know you, and I don't know what you do, but the Lord gave me a word for you. And he, he said, Can I give it to you? And I said, Yeah. He said, the Lord told me to tell you that he's supernaturally protecting you. And I thought about it a while and it's like something just resonated in my heart. It's like it was, uh, I believed it. I believed it was from God. And so Gail and I, we stayed in Mexico and we started, we weren't doing these projects with groups and all this like we were. It was really geared towards teenagers. Uh, Gail and I started ministering in the slums of Matamoros. They're called invasion colonias. It's a part of town where squatters go. Uh, it's maybe a hundred to a thousand acres, hundreds of families living out there in dirt and mud, no electricity, no running water, uh, no nothing. And, and when it gets muddy, it's the miserable place. It's hot. Uh, most of them don't, a lot of them don't have doors or windows on their houses. The mosquitoes eat them up at night. And it's a horrible place to have to live. And so that's where Gail and I worked for about five years doing that. And uh, one day, uh, I heard that this famous speaker was coming to Harlingen. So I said, Gail, we got to go listen to this guy. So we crossed over into Texas. We went to this church. It was huge. Over a thousand people in the auditorium. And we were sitting on either like the third from last row in the back. And the worship was great. The speaker came out and he, he started pointing to people and said, sir, would you stand up? And he'd prophesy over them. And he said, ma'am, would you stand up? And he'd prophesy over them. And then he pointed way back in the back. And he said, sir, you with the blue shirt on, would you stand up? And I was way back there and I didn't know who he was talking about. I said, it was me. And he goes, yeah, you. So me and my wife stood up and he said, sir, I have a word from God for you. He said, the Lord is supernaturally protecting you. Man, when he said that, I felt like Superman. <laughs> God changed me right then. And I knew that was a miracle. I mean, how on earth could he know to say that? He didn't know who I was. He'd never seen me before. And yet he picked me out, or Gail and I, out of a thousand people and gave us that word. And so it was like a confirmation in my heart that God really had put us there. And so uh, we... We just started working, kept working, and uh, back then we were, you know, doing a lot of door-to-door -door ministries, um, big group evangelism, those, those groups. We were having food giveaways, and hundreds of people would come. We'd speak to them and give them away, give away food to them. It's it a little bit impersonal, though. I, I felt like I wanted to do something different, so uh, we were praying, and I was praying, and, and God gave me the scripture. It's in James 1.27. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from becoming polluted by the world. 
And when I read that, it's like God said, this is it. It's like he's speaking to me, telling me what to do. And I believed it was from God. So Gail and I started ministering to the widows, to the single mothers, and, and to the orphans. We had two orphanages back then, one on our base and one right across the highway. And uh, we found that, that doing this ministry uh, has really allowed us to develop relationships with families because we go and we give them food every single month. We've missed two months maybe in the last year and a half. And, and so we've gotten to know them. We sit there and visit with them. We talk to them. We pray with them. Uh, uh, they share their, their problems with us. And, and it's been good. Uh, last week we were doing the widow's ministry. And, and sometimes... It's so much work because we're hauling maybe three or 4,000 pounds of food from these food banks here in, in West Columbia there and hauling up to, uh, to Mexico. We usually handle that 3,000 pounds five times by the time we actually hand it to the person. And it's usually me and Gail. Sometimes we had the kids from the orphanage come over and help us bag up food. Uh, but it's just a lot of work. And, and earlier this year, I was thinking, I don't know if I can keep doing this, God. I'm 73 years old. And, and this, just this last time, uh, last week, uh, we went and two of the widows had no food. One of them was blind, living in the shack. And, it, and she grew up, the, this was the invasion colonial 37 years ago. She's still living in the same shack by herself. And the cobwebs cover the ceiling. But she's blind, so I guess it didn't bother her. But she'd been eating beans for two days. That's all she had to eat. She was so grateful that we came. And I'm going, God, forgive me for, for being becoming lazy. It's like God was telling me, you know, I got to keep doing this. And so another one, uh, another one that, that we've known for 25 years, her daughter now is hooked on crack cocaine. And we were talking to her. The daughter doesn't even live there anymore. We were talking to her, and that daughter walks in right when we were talking to her. I couldn't believe she just walked right through the door, sat down in front of us, and we started sharing the gospel with her. And uh, uh, we were trying to convince her to go to the rehab place. And she said she was going to do it. She said she was going to go meet us at, at the house at 9. But uh, we were ready but she, the next morning, but she never came back. But I believe she will. Uh, she's a sweet girl. I've known her since she was two or three years old. And uh, man, there's, uh, on that last week we realized these, these two little old guys, they were on that screen. Uh, one of them is skinny as a bean pole. And he desperately needs to go to a, like a nursing home or something. There's life and death situations out there that God has allowed us to be a part of. And it, sometimes it seems like we're not doing a whole lot or not accomplishing a lot. But I believe that God has put us there to do what we can do. And, and it's, it's hard sometimes, but God encourages us. And, and I believe in, in this, this scripture that we just read in James 1, 27, uh, I believe this scripture defines what true Christianity is. Uh, it's talking about doing more than just having a feeling of sympathy or having a feeling of empathy. I believe this scripture is calling us to go out and help people. He's calling us to actually go out and do something. And my dad used to tell me, he said, son, go out and do something. Even if it's wrong, just go do something. And I know that's not biblical, but here's God. He's telling me to do something. And so uh, 
That's what I want to do. I want to be obedient. I want to do the will of God. I want, to, I want to prepare my heart and love these people the best I can. And uh, some people, I talk to them and they say, well, Richard, I, I don't have that kind of love. I don't, I don't, I don't just not motivated to do that. And I, I tell them, I say, that's no problem. God can do anything. God can change your heart. I promise you, he changed me. People think that I was born this way. But I wouldn't, and I, I'll prove it to you. I got a little testimony. I was 25 years old, and I, I was applying. I wasn't saved, and I was applying for this job at a big construction company. I wanted to be a construction manager. And so they made me take this real extensive personality profile test. And so I took the test, and I'm sitting here talking to the interviewer. He's looking at my scores, and he said, Sir, I can tell by this score that you're not really meant to do this kind of job. You're way too laid back for this kind of a job. But he said, there's two things right here that really caught my attention. And I said, well, what is it? He said, well, first of all, your uh, love for music was exceptionally high. And I said, yeah, I, I love music. And then he said, he said, but also your compassion and empathy for people is one of the lowest I've ever seen. <laughs> That's exactly what he told me. And, and, you know, I wasn't saved. So I didn't think it was any great big deal. So I didn't think very much about it at all. But years later, at 33 years old, uh, I gave my heart to Jesus. And now I'm studying the Bible and I'm reading and God's telling me to love people. He's commanding me to have compassion for people. He's asking me to do things for people that I don't know. And I was sitting there one day praying and the Lord reminded me of that test. And I said, oh, gosh. This test is real. It was right. I had no compassion for people, especially people I didn't know. Uh, I'd never done anything for widows or orphans or, or drug addicts, never been to a prison. I'd never done any of that. And so my life, uh, I guess the fruit of what my life was proved that, you know, I really didn't have that kind of a heart. And so, I, man, I, I started praying. I started asking God. I said, I, I can't be like this. Lord, I need you to do something in my heart so that I, I need you to create something in my heart that will help me to obey the, the things that you've asked me to do. And, and I prayed, I prayed as if my life depended on it and God did a miracle in my heart and it showed me that God can take someone like me that had no desire to do that. God... The same God that created the whole universe can create a heart in you that can love people, that's willing to sacrifice, that's willing to go and do things. And I promise you that's, that's what he did in me. But you have to seek it. You have to recognize it first and then seek it as if your whole life depended on it. And, and, and this is so important because God has called all of us to be involved in ministry. If you're born again, you're called to share in the ministry of Christ. And, and God's called us to be ambassadors, to represent him, not just overseas, but when we go to the drug stores or the grocery stores or to the restaurants, God has called us to be ambassadors for God and to share the gospel to people that are suffering, uh, people that are hurt. God has to open up the eyes of your spirit in order to do that. But I promise you the first step, the most important step is to take, uh, 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 to make a choice, to make a choice to obey the scriptures, to obey the word of God. 
Because I had lived as a Christian for 14 years. I had read that scripture, but I'd never made a choice to obey it. Isn't that crazy? I made a choice to quit drinking and quit doing drugs. I made a choice to quit cussing. I made a choice to quit doing this and this. And yet I'm ignoring maybe one of the most important commands that God had given us is to love people, to help people, to serve them and to share the gospel. I had ignored that scripture. And now I'm realizing it. Now I'm praying, oh God, help me. When I was... When I was 30, I can't remember, 43? <laughs> anyway, years ago, I had horses. Uh, I had horses outside of Brazoria. We lived in Brazoria. Uh, and I'd have to go feed the horses every day. And there's a corral right here. Right across the fence from my corral was a house. And this old cowboy lived in that house. His name was Mark. And every day, he loved horses. So he'd come talk to me. We'd talk about horses. Uh, he always had a beer in his hand and he was almost like drunk or half drunk every time he came. And this went on for over a year. One night after church, I went out to feed my horses. I parked my car, the headlights on the little barn. So I'm feeding my horses and here comes Mark. And he, he said, Richard, how are you doing? I said, good, man, how are you doing? And I noticed he didn't have a beer in his hand. And I said, what's going on? And he said, you'll never believe where I've been. And I said, Where? He said, uh, somebody invited me to go to church with them at Baptist Church in Brazoria. And he said, after the service, I went forward and I gave my heart to Jesus. And I told him that I wanted to quit doing all the drinking and quit doing all the crazy things that I've been doing. And he said, I gave my heart to God and I'm going to live for God. And man, I was so excited. I said, that's incredible. Man, that's awesome, Mark. And then he said, yeah, man, that's really neat. He said, you told me you're a Christian, Richard, but why didn't you tell me about Jesus? And man, when he said that, I promise you, it hurt so bad. It's just like he stuck a knife right in my stomach. And, and I was doing all I could do not to start crying. I said, Mark, I got to go. So I went and I got in my truck and I was sitting there and I was crying. And I was going, oh God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I felt so embarrassed. I was so ashamed of myself that I couldn't even share the gospel with someone that I've been talking to for over a year. And so I was, I, I was praying, God, help me. And I made up my mind I was going to learn how to share the gospel. And uh, what's crazy is uh, it was just a few weeks after that that our church decided to do an evangelism explosion class. And uh, I signed up for it. And it was $100 to take the class. So the first night of the class, we went on Wednesday night. They said, okay, we're going to have 16 weeks of classes every Wednesday night. The first hour, we're going to have classroom time. But the next hour and a half, we're going to go out and actually knock on doors here in West Columbia. And man, that terrified me. And I was going, oh gosh, I can't do this. I, I, I'm going to quit. And I remember they told me that the $100 was non-refundable. <laughs> so I said, well, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll continue. But I didn't want to because I was scared. But later I realized that that was the, probably the most, one of the most important steps that I needed to take to get over my fear so that it could prepare me to do what God had created me to do. He created me to be a missionary, but he knew that I couldn't be a missionary until I got over my fear of witnessing to people. 
And so I'm telling you this story because there's people here, I'm sure, that were just like me, are just like me. They're scared to do that, scared to witness and share people, scared to share testimony. But God puts things in our lives and we need to say yes to them so that we can take a step towards doing what God has created us to do. And, and uh, God does amazing things. I remember 26 years ago, I have this friend named Phil Strickland. And I don't know if any of y'all have ever met him, but he's been a real mentor in my life. And, and after I came back from that missions trip, I said, Phil, Phil, I want to be a missionary. I, I'm, God's called me to be a missionary. And, and I remember what Phil told me. He said, Richard, you're asking for an extraordinary life. And he said, you're going to have to take extraordinary measures to get it. And at the time, I didn't really know what he meant. But he said, son, he said, you're going to have to spend hours and hours worshiping and praying and studying the word. You're going to have to sacrifice things that you're not used to sacrificing. And that was my time and my hobbies. He said, you're going to have to be willing to sacrifice your money because you're not going to be working as much if you do this. Or, and you're not going to have some of the things that your other family members have because some of my other family members have lots of money and I, I never, never really have. But he said, it's going to be a sacrifice. And so I did what he said. Uh, at first, I could only pray like 10 or 15 minutes. But then I started learning that if I put worship music, I mean really worship music, prayer put to music, I started worshiping like that and praying, worshiping and praying, and I saw God start changing my heart, changing my desires, creating in me a heart that I didn't have before, creating me a desire to, to quit focusing on money and start focusing on things uh, that were you know, of eternity. And God, God did. He supernaturally changed me. And I'm telling you this because I have, I've witnessed it. God can change you and give you a heart uh, that is able to do anything. Now, man, I, I have this desire to obey God. I have a desire. I, I want to have clean hands and a pure heart. I want to, I want to have a, a, a passion in my heart for people that can't help themselves. And I'm still praying every day. Every week I have to pray the same thing. I can't depend on what I did yesterday. I need today's anointing. I need, I need help today. And I'm, my, my goal today is to, first of all, hopefully uh, help you all understand that what God's heart is, is for every one of you to be involved in ministry. It's a, a step of obedience. And I don't really know what's in your heart. I don't know what where you are spiritually, but I know God's called every single one of us to love people, to help them, to do things for them, uh, to share the gospel. And so I'm asking you now to, uh, to just take a few minutes, if we could, to uh, allow God to speak to us. And I know this is a simple little old message, the same scriptures I'm heard, that you've probably heard over and over. But uh, if something happens when we stop and we ask God to make these scriptures come alive, when we say, God, give me a revelation of these scriptures, uh, speak to me one more time about these scriptures, or what are you calling me to do? So if y'all would, would you please stand? 
And let's close our eyes. And would the uh, prayer, the prayer team come forward and, and the worship team come forward? Man, I'm, I'm praying that God would come and move in our hearts. That we wouldn't be satisfied anymore with what we've been doing and how we've been living. But that God would come and create inside of us a heart that's passionate for the lost, for the poor, for the widows and the orphans, for the homeless. Lord, would you please come? Would you walk right through that door? Meet us right here, Holy Spirit, please. And speak to every one of us. Ask God to open up the eyes of your heart today. Ask him, Father, what do you want me to do? Ask him to direct your heart, your thoughts. Lord, I speak this over this group. I speak ministry over this group. I speak the love of God over these people. Lord, that you're going to come. You're going to birth inside of them a supernatural passion and love for people. Oh, Father, we're not even going to go by what we see right now. But Lord, I know that you work in the hearts of people and you do miracles in people's lives. So we welcome you now. We welcome you now, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way in our lives. We call on you, Father, to surrender everything that we have. It's an absolute surrender not just a partial surrender. God wants us to be able to surrender every single thing in our life to do his will. So Lord, we pray that thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Let the will of God be done in our lives right here. Oh, we call on your will. We call on your name, Lord God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come and minister to us. And I believe God is speaking to some of us to, to do more, to change, to change what we feel and how we act. And if he's talking to you, I'm asking you to come forward. Come forward and allow people to pray or just come forward and seek God. Seek the heart of God for what he's, for what he's asking you to do. Oh, Lord, we owe you everything. We owe you everything. We owe you our very lives. We don't deserve heaven. You've given us this great gift. Oh, Father, help us to be appreciative. Lord, help us to not live self-centered or self-indulgent lives. Help us, Holy Spirit. I'm pleading with you, Father God, that you would come. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. We want to live for you. Help us, Lord God. Strengthen us in our inner being. Give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help us, Lord God, to do your will. I believe with all my heart that if you would obey this command, that you'd see, you'd see things that you don't see right now. I promise you'd see the glory of God, the goodness of God come.
When you step out and you minister to people like that, God allows you to experience the mercies and the goodness and the grace of God. You'll see miracles and signs and wonders. I promise you, I've seen these things, but it wasn't until I was obedient to the word of God that I went out and I saw God do incredible things. Oh God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful, God, because I don't deserve any of this. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of the areas that I want you to encourage, or I want to encourage you in this morning is to ask God to give you his heart for the things that he cares about, the things that he's passionate about, the things that he loves. To maybe broaden your perspective. Man, I love, I mean, I know we're all missionaries in, in, our, in some form or fashion, but I love when real missionaries that, you know, it's not the most heroic. Not like the missionaries to Hawaii. I guess they're out there. I don't know. You know, just, it's these hard places, you know, that, that, that are difficult, that are challenging. But you find something worth laying your life down for. Something that satisfies and something that, that stirs. In the, I'm talking about deep within. To where you figure out that purpose and you figure out that calling. And you, you come to that place of realizing what it is that you were called to do. And, you know, I know many of us, you know, we seek professions or we seek jobs. And sometimes we're just going through the motions and we're doing what we have to. But we may not be doing what we've been built to do. So in amongst everything we do, God still has a plan. There are still people around us. Let us not just be Christians who just say we're Christians and don't give them Jesus. Don't miss that moment of giving them the greatest gift that he gave us. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.